morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, how's it going Lyle? Going great Mon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's good. Your face is looking still pretty scratched up, but I'll take your word for it that you're <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> did you manage to figure out what it was that you did to yourself? Nope. 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 No idea. <laughs> Maybe you started sleepwalking and like your dislike for cats has sort of come out to, you know, the subconscious and you're out there warring against cats in the night time and you don't even realise. Maybe. Maybe. It's my theory. It's my theory. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Anyway, what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? Rust. <laughs> What on earth is that even supposed to mean? What do you mean it's supposed to You just to- offended a bunch of tradies who like hate rust. No, no, rust is cool. Let me tell you about rust. Rust means that there are all kinds of cool old vehicles around rusting in quietly rusting in the bush waiting to be explored and identified and parts pulled off and sold and <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you're, you're grateful for the same thing you've been grateful for the last few days, just at a different angle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I believe you. I believe. Ask me what I'm grateful for. What are you grateful for? Housemates. Really? Yeah. They're also the reason why I'm late this morning. Oh, 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 you, oh, you, 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 you are fessing up on air. <laughs> well, 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 it was my own fault. We were chitty chatting. But no, because I, I, I'm sure you know, but I have like a busted right shoulder. And uh, and sadly, because Monday nights is my painting class. By the way, everyone, I've now started the intermediates painting class. Last night was my first intermediates uh, class. She so still I'm... hasn't learned how to paint with Tupac. <laughs> oh, come on now. Tupac is dead. We all know this. <laughs> Tupac is dead. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> he is dead. He got shot in the 80s or something. No, 90s. <coughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So, yeah, so I have a busted right shoulder. And uh, and thankfully, one of my housemates very graciously uh, agreed to work on it every now and then for me. So, they massage it and like sort of mess it up um, and last night after my painting class because sadly the painting really exacerbates it just the motion of, with the paintbrush like I get halfway through my paint class I can barely hold the brush anymore um, so yeah so my housemate has been working on it for me and uh, we got to chitty chatting and suddenly it was like midnight but my shoulder feels amazing this morning so I'm very very grateful for that this is a reminder you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM if you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. Have rain yesterday where you were Lyle? Um about 40 drops. Oh, we maybe had maybe 43. We had a shower and the smell was just incredible. Praise the Lord. There the was a man rain. they called him Jesus. Walked the shores of Galilee. Healed the sick and calmed the waters. Made the blind eye to see. Raised the dead and cleansed the leper. Had the power to set men free. But best of all, he went to Calvary. Let it die for you and me. I wish that I could have been with him 
When he stepped out on the sea and heard him say to Simon Peter, Come, my son, and follow me. Well, soon the dawn will break around us, and his face we shall behold. Oh, what a time we'll have together, shouting down the streets of gold. I want to walk. Jesus. I want to talk, talk like Jesus. I want to be I want to be just like my Lord. Just like my Lord. I want to help, help my neighbor, my fellow man. Born in labor. I want to spread. I want my love to spread His word. I want to sing. I want to sing. I want to shout. To heal the world. I want to tell. I want to tell the world about His love. I want to walk, walk like Jesus. I want to talk, talk like Jesus. I want to be. I want to be just like my Lord. My Lord, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus. I want to be just like my Lord, just like my Lord. I want to help my neighbor, or him labor. I want to spread, I want my love to spread His word. I want to sing, I want to shout, to heal the world. I want to tell, I want to tell the world about His love. I want to walk. walk like Jesus, I want to talk. talk like Jesus. I want to be, I want to be just like my Lord. Just like my Lord. You are listening to the Emmanuel Quartet with I Want to Be Like My Lord here on Faith FM. Mon, give us a... Clue for our quiz. Okay, what city am I? It's a quiz this morning. It was in this city that David ate consecrate, consecrated, consecrated. I think that cake, consecrated cake, cake. Anyway, <laughs> it was in this city that David ate consecrated bread. Give me a call if you know what bread that is. Wow, my microphone smells really strong. Sorry, um, and uh, and I'll give you the prize. Uh, Lyle's got it wrong. Woohoo! So give me a call quick, 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 and I will send you double prizes if you can tell me before Lyle tells me. I can't even read what that was supposed to say. Oh, yeah, actually, no, I can sort of make out what it was trying, what you're trying to say, but you're wrong. Yes, I wrong, Lyle. What city was it? Give me a call. 1 800 Faith FM, 1 800 324 843. Sorry, I'm really having a hard time. Yeah, you're, you're right there, Mon. Well, it smelled a bit funny, and so I wiped it down with. um. A lemon eucalyptus oil, and now it's just, now it's just a little, little bit strong. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad this is your segment. You get to do the segment before it loses any joking, of its strength. I'm not. I'm I am not going. I, I could. I could boy, step oh in boy. at this particular point and do my segment in place of yours. Look, it smells nice, but but I won't. Oh, I can move back. Okay, is this all right? Okay, awesome. Producer shells on my side. See, unbelievable. She's turn up Messing my mic up all so my I can phone. Move away from the microphone so I can breathe properly. <laughs> <laughs> it was only like one drop. That stuff is super strong. I love essential oil. I'm actually very grateful for essential oil. Okay. Yeah, I've been using yeah. it a lot lately because I got a little diffuser. Uh-huh. And so every night before I go to sleep, I diffuse some like lavender oil, and then also I have an Australian blend, which is. Um, lemon myrtle, lime, and sandalwood blend, and then I blend all four of those oils, and it's it just it puts you off to sleep like a lullaby, Lyle, an aroma lullaby. That's what that is for adults. I love it. Anyway, cool. anyway, anyway, cool, 
Cool. Uh, right, 100 Faith of M. That's the number to call if you can tell me what city that is. Um, I'm going to send you an awesome prize, and I'm going to uh, also give you double prizes if you can tell me before Lyle does. I'm going to chuck in. I'm going to chuck in an extra Bible. I have I have messages coming through. Someone's asking, he ate the showbread in the temple? Question mark. Um, I'm not sure if it's that story and if that's the city where the temple was in. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure person who's texting me for extra clues. I am saying nothing. Oh, you're saying because you're pretty, you're pretty sure you know what it is now, don't you? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't. Anyway, good morning to all our listeners. A couple of shout outs. Uh, shout out to my um, to my art class. I can't hear you, Mon. You can hear me just no, I can't. fine, Lyle. I'm not <laughs> I can't hear you at all. My stinky microphone. Can't hear a thing. Yeah, whatever. Is Mon talking? Does anybody know whether Mon's talking or not? Is there any noise coming choke, out of mics? Don't you? Yeah. you just want me to breathe it in and choke. Anyway, good morning to my art class students, um, fellow students. I told them I'd do them a shout out. And uh, good morning to Vani, who is listening. Morning, Vani. Um, I'm very excited, Lyle. I'm, I'm, spending, I'm spending a weekend in Sydney. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When? Uh, this coming weekend. Oh. In fact, okay. someone has to help me do the show on Friday because I have to leave. There you go. Anyway, and I'll be catching up with Viney. We're very excited. There might be cheesecake. What? No, I didn't say that out loud. Um, okay, Lyle, really cool good news. Okay, if you ever could have, like go back in time and pick something that you could have been responsible for inventing, what would it be? Ah, time machine. No, no, that doesn't exist, Lyle. <laughs> well, you, you didn't say it had to exist or not. Well... But see, I could invent my own time machine and then I could go back in time. No, 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 no. You, you have to pick something that already exists. Like, <coughs> you can say, like, I wish I had been responsible for the invention of cars. Ooh. Yeah, I'd go with that. I'd yeah. go with that. Why don't I know uh-uh. you better with that? I mean, you know I would that's, go that's, with? that's an easy default, but yeah, aeroplanes, definitely uh, over cars. I'll take the right brother's place. Why not? Okay, okay. Do you know what I wish I would have invented? What? Lego. Just because you'd be filthy rich right now? I mean, well, that too. But <laughs> <laughs> it is the ultimate toy. Come on. It's clean. It's a, it's a it is the ultimate toy. It, it actually And it has been for decades. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, a, it's people love it. Get rid of your screens, give your kids Lego, exactly. and they will grow into normal human beings. It's a relatively modern toy that somehow happens to be a good one that doesn't mess your kids up. Because so many of them, you know. I don't think my dad had Lego. My dad had Meccano. I've never heard of Meccano. Is that like Meccano a- predated Lego, and in some ways it was actually a bit cooler, but it wasn't as simple to use. Oh, is that like Technico or something? It's like nuts and bolts, and it's made out of steel. Oh, okay. Oh, steel. Wow. Steel. Wow. It's like Meccano we used to have when I was a kid was made out of steel. That's cool. And so you build the same kinds of things that you build in Lego. A bit more complex. Yeah. Okay. I wish they still had that. Oh, absolutely. It really helps some kids develop their brains. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've got a cool story about Lego, right? So this starts. This story starts off with a young man named Matthew Scherfen, who is from Boston. He was born blind. And so you kind of think to yourself, well, what use is Lego to a blind child? Turns out blind kids love Lego. Okay. They just find it very difficult to um, to make what the box comes as because... They can't read the instructions. Sure. Right. And um, he actually... The part of the fun of Lego is you make the thing the box says and the, like once. Yeah, that's right. And then you never do it again. <laughs> yeah. And then you make every other different thing you can think of. So Matthew is now 22, but as a child, he actually developed a very strong passion for playing Lego. Um, he always needed assistance, however, when it came to you know reading the instructions. And he had a friend who was a babysitter named Lilia um, who would actually 
uh, play with him and she decided to help him out. So what she did was she would write down all the building steps for him so that he could upload them into a system that allowed him to read the building steps on a Braille reader through his fingers. So basically this woman learned how to read Braille in order to engage with him and support his Lego passion and uh, and just spent countless hours translating Lego instructions into Braille. So now you can now blind people that can read Braille can do Lego all over the world. We're getting there. Okay. Um, so he would then like pour his own customized instructions to create models such as the Lego Sydney Opera House and the London Tower Bridge. Um, the latter, which required eight hundred and fifty pages of Braille translation. Oh my! Like, That's that? a little bit of a significant Lego instructions right there. Uh, yeah, this for the first time ever, he was actually able to build Lego sets independently without needing someone else to guide him through the instructions. And you know, and and he says this: this is extremely important for blind children because there isn't a lot of places where you can say, "Look, mum and dad, I built this on my own. I did this." So for blind children, we don't have access to what sighted children are used to. Lego bricks enable us to learn about our environment, to see the world through our hands. It is so important because blind kids get left out of a lot of social stuff, especially in elementary school. But Lego building is one of the things we can do, which is very interesting. That's to think about. so awesome. Yeah, because like- they, you really do see with your hands because they can touch it all over. They can create it how they want it to, the, to the inventor of, Did the inventor of that Lego get a Nobel Prize? He deserves um, several. For for making child's toys. This is why I wish I invented Lego. So for years, Lilia and uh, and Matthew spent hours together um, working to translate different Lego manuals and decided to publish them on a website called Lego for the Blind um, so they could share their work with other kids, right? And so to date, their website has published a Braille and audio instructions for 40 different sets, um, but they had bigger dreams as well. Unfortunately, um, Lilia passed away in 2017 um, and, and Matthew, who's now 22, decided to honour her memory by ensuring that others benefited from her idea of creating and sharing the manual instructions. And they actually um, introduced his Braille instructions at the Creative Play Lab at the Lego Group um, HQ. And uh, his team, the team that, that witnessed his idea, uh, took it to the Austrian Research Institute for Artificial Intelligence. And this is so cool, Lyle. Literally, they developed new AI software to install what they're calling, to translate what they're calling LXFML, which is Lego Exchange Format MEL script, from the visual digital building instructions to text-based descriptions for Vail, uh, Braille and voice command instructions. Basically, they created software to go through the entire archive of Lego history and translate everything. So Lego itself has jumped on board That's and they're now insane. converting every single manual ever into audio and Braille thanks to the inspiration from Matthew and uh, the legacy of this lady, Lilia. Okay, so I've got a, a, a listener texting in and says uh, who says that Lego rules, Amen. Uh, but Meccano is still available. Is it really? Um, yeah, yeah. This person said that I had it as a child. Unfortunately, it rusts. This is Aww. true. I still have Lego from age six. <laughs> well, Lyle's yeah, into yeah. rust, and, and, and this person that is tec- texting in, uh, um, probably my age, maybe older. I can't. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I've still got. I've still got some Lego floating around from when I was a kid as well. And my kids' Lego is going to be passed on to their kids. And that's the great thing about Lego is that it's true. It doesn't rust and you can pass it on. It's and true. Mercado is excellent. And uh, set your children free. 
This is the best toy for rainy days, Lego and Meccano. Well, the other cool thing about this is apparently when the kids build these 3D, um, you know, stuff like the London Tower Bridge, they, they for the first time actually get to touch it and sort of understand how that looks in real life. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. It's just cool. A lot of us grew up believing At any moment we can lose it all And at the drop of a hat God might turn his back and move on A lot of us feel like we blew it Thinking that we're just too far gone But I want you to know There's still a hope for you Stevenson with No Matter What. You listen to Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz, Mon. What city am I? While being pursued by Saul, David stopped here and got Goliath's old sword. 
Could just yeah. imagine him. Could just imagine him rolling up and being like, "Oh, hello, old friend. Let's go to work." <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if you read the story, it's not dis- that dissimilar from what you just said. Oh, really? Yeah, because he turns up, and of course, it's a city. Um, this is a bit of another clue: a city full of priests. And he's fleeing from Saul. He's got no weapons. And he's like, has anybody got a sword they can lend me? I'm like, we don't have any sword here, but we do have Goliath's sword. It had been sort of stored away as a... um, And and, and David turns around and says, there is no sword like that sword. (laughs) Apparently it was the greatest sword of all time. And, you know, if if you consider the Philistines at that particular point of history, they would have given or created their finest weapon with their best metallurgy for their greatest warrior. Yeah. And this is why it would have been kept as a... Um, museum piece. As a museum piece yeah. by the Israelites, and that's exactly what had happened. They'd kept it as a museum piece, as a as a war trophy, um, this amazing sword. And so, yeah, David's like, yes. But would David have even been able to lift it? Because wasn't it built for a giant? When you read the story of David, the Bible says that the Bible indicates that David was a very, very fit individual. Yeah. Um, he the, the Bible talks about him defending him and Joab, I think it was, standing back to back and defending a field of lentils um, against Philistines. They killed like two hundred Philistines single handedly, um, <clears throat> and uh, they were like so a- they were so exhausted at the end of the battle. And his hand had gripped that sword so tightly they couldn't pry his fingers loose. We just like fall over and just eating lentils in the field right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can you can only imagine the desperation yeah. mm-hmm. that um, creates that kind of a physical effect on a human being, mm-hmm. the level of exhaustion that goes with that, and the effort required to do so. You know, this was this these these, these men were. Manly men. Serious warriors. Mm-hmm. Serious warriors. And, uh, yeah, very manly men. Not going to um, lie, he sounds pretty <coughs> cute. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Speaking of going back in time. Um, anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, no, 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 you haven't tried, had a shot at guessing what city this is, and you seem to think you know exactly No, what I don't know what it is. Nah, <laughs> quick, call me now. <laughs> Two prizes. 1-800 uh, I know all about this city, but I just can't spit out the name. Ah, sure, sure, sure. I even have a picture of this city in my mind's eye from uh, Uncle Arthur's Bible stories. Oh, bless. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so in New Haven, New Mexico, uh, the South Side Church of Christ has built a duplex community. And in that duplex community, if you are a single parent, you can they will provide you with... Um, and I think there's, what, 39 duplexes there, mm-hmm. right? Free rent, uh, free food rescue food, and a clothing closet that you can use clothes from, you know, the entire time. You just take it, wear it for how many years. If it's worn out, you throw it away. If it's not worn out, you put it back in the closet and somebody else uses it kind of thing. Um, for a period of four years for single parents. This is incredible. That's pretty, and that's so that's worth in the United States because rent is a lot cheaper in the United States than here. Real uh-huh. estate is much cheaper, uh-huh. um, but it comes to a total value of about twenty two thousand dollars USD per year. That is amazing. You know why? Why is that? Because the Bible tells us to look after widows and, and all. It does. It and, does. And like you explained a few weeks ago, the. Where they use the word widows is basically the same as we would single say. Mother. Yeah, single, single mother. Yes, a single mother. That's that's right. So this is a church where really. <coughs> they they, they really are out there. They're doing it now. What's that's interesting? Great. I want I want to, I want to run this one past you, okay, and and, and get your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. There are conditions. Okay. You, you can't just 
You can't just rock up. You can just rock up and they do not ask questions. They do not ask why you're a single parent. They pass no judgment on your background, your history or whatever. Uh But if you move in, there are conditions. Okay, yeah. All right. So here they come. You must either have a job that has a career path. So it can't be a dead-end job. Yep, yep. All right, so you've got to be in a job that you can actually advance in. Progress in, yeah. Um, It can be any kind of job so long as it's one where you can advance. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have actually a a four-year plan to advance in that job. Wow, okay. Okay? Or, or, or and or um, be pursuing study. So you'll be working or studying one of the two. I love it. Okay, yeah, all right. Okay, so it continues on. No smoking. Amen. Smoke a cigarette, you're out. Yep. No alcohol. Oh, this gets better. better. <laughs> this is pretty full on. Okay, and it gets even more full on again. Okay, so these are single mothers. Yeah. No sex. Okay. All right. Unless they're married. Unless they get married. Uh, well, if they get married, then they can't stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not single parents anymore. I just don't want them to be like, you are now doomed to celibacy or now a nun for the rest of your no, life. No, basically what they're doing is they're saying you've got four, and this is the, this Before is the, there's some, the, okay, so there's some, there's, there's some, there's some, you know, some aspects of this that are controversial, but they don't take any government funding and so they can set their own rules. Amen. Okay, yeah. Right? Um, so no sex. Mm-hmm. And their attitude is you've got, you, we're giving you four years to get your life on track. So... Focus on getting your life on track during this four years. No sex, no dating. Wow. You just focus on providing for your children and getting your life set up. What church is this? Uh, This is the uh, Southside Church of Christ. Um, And so because of that, if you want to have visitors um, of the opposite sex, they have to be family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and here's the cop this one. You have to... Attend church three times a week. Three times? So that's Sunday morning. Uh-huh. All right. Wednesday night prayer meeting. Okay. And then they have a special gathering get-together, which is not for the church members. It's just for the single mothers and their children. 39 uh, single mothers, currently 73 children. Um, <clears throat> and that's a Sunday night um, social gathering just for that particular community at the church. This is like going to be the most life-changing program that's <laughs> pretty full on, isn't it's it? It's full on, but that'll work. Now, you are not required. There's no requirement to believe in Jesus, to be baptized, to call yourself a Christian, any of the above. No requirement for that whatsoever at all. You just got to turn up. Yeah. And so some of the single mothers they've, 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 that are there, they've talked about, you know, it was pretty full on when they first started, you know, uh-huh. getting into the routine, getting into the schedule of it. You know, they've got living busy lives, but they're actually, there's nobody in the program who wants to leave, and they've got a massive waiting list of people lining oh, up. And once people get into the program, they stay in the program, and a lot of the women are coming out of the program with uh, bachelor's and master's degrees, and they've come out of a trailer home previously. Wow. Yeah. Who invented this program? <laughs> Whose brainchild was this? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, it pretty full on. Um, <clears throat> now, of course... Um, the majority of the women who are there are uh, Mexican, which mm-hmm. reflects New Mexico's demographic, which is uh, one in five, um, or f- one in five, I think, are non-Mexican, mm-hmm. um, and has the highest unemployment in, or well, the second highest unemployment in the United States. And so, yeah, they're, they're in there. They have uh, access to counselling services, um, and it's all run on a do- donation basis. 
Oh, serious. And it's been, yeah, absolutely life-transforming for the people who have become a part of it. I wonder if we can replicate this in Australia. Well, the interesting thing about it is because it's four years, you get it's, it's kind of like a four-year term, you know. Yeah, how long? Yeah, yeah. How long has this been running for? I would, um, I'd love to know. Like, I'd love to hear people's BNA stories. Yeah, there's. Uh, I did have the date here somewhere. It's 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 been a process. Mm-hmm. They've been developing it over time because they've done it all debt-free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they haven't gone into debt to build these duplexes. They've just raised the money for it, and uh, and so it's been a um, a process over a fair amount of time. But the testimonies of the women that are coming out is just how much it transformed their lives. And after four years, they are now in the habit of living a clean mm-hmm. Christian lifestyle um, that is free from drugs, free from addictions, free from um, distractions. distractions. They haven't, you know, indulged in abusive relationships because a lot of them, they come from abusive relationships right, yeah. and, and that creates a vicious cycle where they go from one relationship to the right, next. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. this is the, the idea by saying no sex, no dating, mm-hmm. is breaking that cycle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, don't, they can leave anytime they want, but they're not leaving mm-hmm. uh, because they're just like, no, this is, this is what is best for me and this is best for my children. And, yeah, they come out a different person. So they're breaking the cycle. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of merit in what these guys are doing, and it's something we definitely need to look at ourselves, and we need to see more of uh, because we need to see the you know the cycle of abuse, the cycle of addiction, the cycle of uh, single parenthood and uh, dysfunctional families. We need to see those cycles being broken. Anyway, there's Lauren Daigle with Power to Redeem. You take. With every morning 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Lauren Daigle with Power to Redeem here on Faith FM. Mon, give us another clue for our quiz. Clue number three. What city am I? Alimelech was a priest in this city. Give me a call. People have been texting saying they, they, they remember this from Uncle Arthur as well. well yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I could I could go on giving clues about this city all day long and still not give you the answer for it <laughs> because I can't I can't frame the words for the name of this city. Uh, joining us on the phone this morning is uh, Dr. John Ashton, who does a monthly segment here um, uh, on the on the subject of evolution impossible. This is based around uh, Dr. John Ashton's book. Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth. Uh, Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Lyle. Uh, this morning we're talking about erosion rates, uh, sediment- sedimentation rates, and radiometric dating. Now, of course, um, we've all been to national parks, I think. Uh, we go there, we read the plaques. I don't know about you, John, but I'm the kind of person that whenever I go to a national park, I drive my wife nuts because I read every plaque I come across. Are you that kind of person? <laughs> oh, yes, I like uh, finding out about the uh, flora and fauna in uh, an area and the, and the history. Hmm, yeah, my wife just likes to look at it, but, uh, yeah, I read them all. Now, as I go around those national parks and read about them, I find that they all describe, you know, the age of the rocks in many, many millions or billions of years and, uh, and, and this kind of thing. How do they determine the ages of these rocks? What's this radiometric dating all about? And why are you challenging it in your book, um, Evolution Impossible? Sure. Okay, well, the ages of rocks are typically measured by measuring the levels of radioisotopes in the rocks and on the basis of decay rates of those isotopes. They calculate the ages. The number of issues with this uh, method in that they don't really know how much material was there to start with to decay, uh, how much has uh, been washed in, how much has eroded away of the ra- radiometric of radioactive material that is, and so the method actually is fraught with a whole lot of um, of problems. They try to get round this by using what they call isochron dating, which is where they uh, analyse um, the radiometric. Uh, or radioactive elements in different minerals and and plot these and uh, hope to get a much better average. But one of the interesting things is these dates typically give hundreds of millions of years and and tens of millions of years, very, very long ages, typically millions of years for these particular rock formations. Now, the fascinating thing is that we have really good data produced by geographers and geomorphologists and so forth who study the erosion rates of mountains and plains and this sort of thing. And this is, you know, very important for agriculture and understanding, um, you know, soil topography and, and so forth. And we have a lot of data that has been measured on how much material is being carried away off the continents by the rivers because... You know, all life on Earth, all the plants and animals, we require water. The water comes from rain and snow uh, and, of course, some springs uh, from underneath uh, the ground. But this water eventually, uh, falling from rain and snow and from the springs, runs into the sea. Now, as it runs into the sea, it carries material with it. Uh, small amounts, of, we've all seen muddy rivers. 
um, and even clear-looking streams are still carrying small amounts of material. Um, and when scientists measure that amount of material that's being carried, we can calculate how much of the surface area is being eroded away. Now, this is very accurate calculations. It's based on what's happening now, what we observe now. And when we look at those rates, we find, for example, with the Colorado River, a lot of work's been done on the Colorado River and we're all familiar with the Grand Canyon. So the Colorado River is carrying material away and we've seen the colour of it, which is equivalent to the um, surface area in that area that drains into the Colorado River eroding away at the uh, amount of about 100 millimetres a year or four inches a year, 100 millimetres per thousand years, 100 millimetres per thousand years. Now, that doesn't sound like very much, right? It doesn't sound like much. But what it means is the the depth of the Grand Canyon is, uh, you know, just under two kilometres. That would erode away in less than 20 million years. That, that whole system, even at that low rate, would erode away in less than 20 million years, and yet they claim that those rocks there date back to 500 million years and that the rocks at the top of the Grand Canyon are 250 million years old. Now, if you do the reverse calculation, say, well, if they're 250 million years old, then there must have been all that 250 million years of erosion occurring on top of that. That means that the original strata must have been something like you know 29 mile 29 30 miles high which is ridiculous because again where did that material end up it would have been in the oceans but the oceans the sediment uh, on the floor the ocean sediments are only a few hundred meters thick so when we look at the whole erosion data scenario the continents can't be old and and this is not, you know, creationist data or anything like that. This is standard data in the geology research, in the um, geography research journals, in the geography and geomorphology textbooks, that the continents would erode away essentially in less than 10 million years. And so all these dates that relate to being, you know, tens and millions of, uh, hundreds of millions of years old and thousands of millions of years old, which are the dates they get from radiometric dating, can't be correct. Now, the other factor that comes into this is that these erosion rates that we work out, and we've picked pretty modest erosion rates, there are some places in the world where the the erosion rates are 10 times higher than the erosion rates in the Grand Canyon area, like in China and there, these areas, the amount of sediment carried in some of their rivers are a metre per thousand years. And in some places in New Guinea, it's even much higher than that again. Several metres per thousand years would be eroded. And so when we look at these um, erosion rates here, the ages of the earth, of, of the surface of the earth, must be much, much younger. Now, as I was saying to say a moment ago, these, this data is based on the amount of material being carried in the actual rivers. It doesn't include the extra material carried during catastrophic floods, nor does it include the material that is being rolled along the bottom because that's very difficult to measure. So when we take into account those events, it even shortens the ages of the continents and the surface of the earth. So this is in massive conflict 
with the radiometric dating ages. And the bottom line is the radiometric dating ages must be wrong. The rocks can't be anywhere near as old as they claim. Okay, so we talk about the um, catastrophic events, we talk about um, you know flood events, those kind of things, and also material being rolled along the bottom of the of the rivers, um, <clears throat> you know, not being able to measure for those. Is there the capability there to you know because we look at the, uh, the the erosion rate of the Colorado River, for instance, and say, well, you know, it would have taken twenty million years to cut the Grand Canyon. Um, is there enough, you know? To, to shorten that from 20 million years to, say, a biblical 6,000 years would be a big leap, wouldn't it? Well, that's right. Um, it would be, but it fits the flood model. That's exactly what we've been, uh, the Bible describes, uh, occurs as the, the flood. And this, uh, the erosion rates that we observe uh, definitely fits the flood model. Another thing is um, that, you know, another... So, so yeah, just, just before we move on from there, just if I, if I could just tap into that for a moment, um, <clears throat> if I could. The, um, so let's say that we have a worldwide flood model, the Grand Canyon, how long potentially, over what, what, what period of time could that have actually been created during a, a, a catastrophic event such as a worldwide flood? Well, I mean, the only we have examples such as uh, the event that occurred at the Mount St Helens eruption, where a similar mini Grand Canyon formed in a matter of you know six, seven, or eight hours. So uh, the situation like that could occur indefinitely in days. Yeah, that would. And, be- and I guess there, there's actually. Uh, similar situations have occurred when dams have breached and, and this sort of thing. The amount of, the rate at which erosion occurs by water is extremely rapid. Yeah. Um, and water has the ability to, you know, to even cut through solid rock under those conditions. Um, there, there are videos on the internet of some of the dam collapses. Uh, that show that uh, concrete erosion walls and these sort of things were eroded um, in watching time, in minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, water, fast-moving water is particularly corrosive, particularly as it carries these small abrasive particles with it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some of those um, videos on YouTube and they're quite spectacular to watch and they just yeah, you know, everything, yeah, everything so- just collapses in, 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 a, in a, such an incredibly short space of time. And this also explains, uh, you know, there, there's a couple of mechanisms that we have to look at here, that during the flood, there was obviously massive supernatural disruption of the surface of the earth because there's evidence that the, the mountain ranges were pushed up at that time because there are classic examples. And the Gordon Splits in Tasmania are examples of this where we've got a river cutting through, very narrowly, cutting through a mountain range. Mm -hmm. Now, how can it flow from one side of the mountain range to the other? Unless that fast-flowing water was flowing as the mountains were being pushed up and it cut through the mountain. And this explains so many of the phenomena that we observe around the world and it also explains why we find, for example, whale fossils up in the Andes, mountains, while we find, you know, fossils, shells and so forth up in the Himalayas on Mount Everest, 
These mountains were pushed up very quickly. After the flood helped, a massive sediment was laid down. There was massive uh, movement of water on the surface of the earth at the same time, and the mountain ranges were, were being pushed up, again, while the sediments were relatively fresh. And that explains, again, how we can have the rapid uh, folding or bending of, as, uh, of the strata that normally wouldn't bend once they'd set as rocks and if there were really millions of years between those ages. So when we look at the evidence that we can go out and see and observe now, it all points to these structures being formed very rapidly, short period of time while the rocks were still soft and pliable, those sedimentary layers were able to be bent. Um, in the case of the Grand Canyon, the layers were laid down very rapidly, one after the one another, because there's no signs of erosion in between. If they were really spread over 450 million years, as the long-age evolutionists claim, then we'd see, you know, these similar erosion furries. You know, I mean, I, I've got a gravel driveway. <laughs> after heavy rain, you've got to go out and put gravel back there, you know, so I can get erosion of several inches occurring in a matter of a day. Um, just on a driveway where you have hardened gravel. So this all provides a major problem, and particularly not only for evolutionists, but for those Christians who have moved over to theistic evolution and want to go with the long ages. Um, they've jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. It's um, The evidence that we have that the surface of the earth is young is overwhelming. It can't be the hundreds of millions of years old required by the um, the evolutionary model. Mm. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> John, yeah, you, you also talked about, you know, sedimentation. Do we have evidence in how the actual sedimentation, apart from the fact that it hasn't been eroded, but how it's actually laid down that shows that these sedimentary rocks are actually a lot younger than um, than what the radio isotopes? Oh, yeah, sure. And we need to recall that the original concept of these millions of years was derived by uh, Hutton, James Hutton, back in the late 1700s when he, you know, he, he was sort of uh, certainly against the Bible and biblical history and, and he uh, claimed that the sedimentary rates that he measured in river deltas and so forth, you know, they deposited very slowly, so he calculated that the you know, the rocks must be millions of years old on the basis of these very low sedimentation rates. But, of course, the actual sedimentation rates are, are much uh, larger than that. And, um, you know, we've got this material, we've got the amount of material that is on the bottom of the ocean. Again, even at current rates, if we measured the rates of sedimentation, um, the deposits on the ocean floor would all form in about 15 million years, which is way less again than the two and a half thousand uh, million years that they claim the uh, continents are. So again, when we look at the, we can go out and measure the thickness of the sediments on the ocean floor. There's data on this. We can measure the rates at which they go, the material is going in. Um, and again, the figures come out to less than 20 million years. Uh, some of the best calculations that I've seen reported in the literature give an age of about 15 million years max. So all these things are pointing out and to a much younger Earth than the radiometric dating by, you know, uh, two or three orders of magnitude. And the other thing is, of course, too, that they don't take into account catastrophic events. 
the flood event would fit this perfectly. Yeah, fit it absolutely perfectly. Mm. And I think I think that's the other point that um, that needs to come with that. You know, even with fifteen to twenty million years, that's at current rates. That's not with uh, not not taking into account a catastrophic event. That's right, which would shorten the time. And secondly, fifteen twenty million years is not enough time for the evolutions to have their evolu- uh, to have their evolution take place. Mm, absolutely, know, it just blows them out of the water. That the evolutionary model just doesn't work in that situation and of course the other factor that confounds um, the long ages of radiometric dating is the rate of decay of the genome we have measurements now on the accumulation of mutations in the um, in the uh, human uh, genome and if uh, you know humans are supposed to have began you know separating from apes millions of years ago um, or some ape-like creature millions of years ago. In that particular, you know, time, a massive amount of uh, DNA would have um, mutated to the point, you know, if you're looking at um, about, uh, you know, a million years or so, you know, you've got a significant percentage of your DNA would have mutated um, and have mutations in it and not functioning properly. And, and this is data, you know, again, this isn't, you know, creationist data. This is mainstream science measurements published in the top science journals in the world. Nature, in um, science, these, these top science journals. Sci- scientists have measured now the rates of decay or the rates of which we're accumulating mutations in mitochondrial DNA um, and different other parts of um, our uh, DNA. And we, what we need to remember is that we have certain key sections of our DNA that control a lot of uh, mechanisms. And you just have a mutation in one of these, such as in one of the steps in the blood clotting mechanism, and you no longer have blood clotting and you're going to bleed to death pretty quick. You have a mutation in uh, the DNA associated with your pancreas and uh, you're going to develop diabetes and die you know, early. So... All these things, all these mutations now, mutation rates that we're measuring now, again, point to the fact that life on Earth, and all forms of life on Earth, must be only thousands of years old. If they were really millions of years old, there would be so much error in the DNA that life would not function. So all these things are pointing to the fact that the so-called gold standard radiometric dating is wrong. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit the observed data that we measure now. Everything is pointing to a young age that fits in again with the biblical time scale of only thousands of years. Dr. John Ashton, it is always so interesting to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're way out of time. Uh, This is Carly Fletcher with A New Creation. Change yours too In Christ
to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great! I'll see you there. 